From In the Beginning to the Musical Apocalypse, this is The Bible Says What? I'm your host, Mike Wiseman. Free will, that staple proclamation from Bible believers. How do Christians know they have free will? Because the Bible tells them so? Nowhere in the Bible does it say we all get free will. Not one jot or tittle. Jeremiah 8, 9 through 10 tells us that because Yahweh's favorite kids have rejected the word of the Lord, the Lord will now give their wives to other men and their fields to new owners. Yahweh steps in and gives women away like the property he sees them as. Job lost his kids because his favorite deity felt the need to pointlessly test his loyalty. And according to Habakkuk, the loving Christian deity raised up an army of bad guys to kill his own children. Yahweh makes it very clear. We do not all get free will. The Bible believers proclaim free will, but no one has free will if Yahweh can just come along at any time and give your wife away or make a bet with Satan that causes the death of your kids. Why would anyone want to worship such a monster? Let's start the show. Is there anything in the Bible that you yourself have an issue with? <laughs> Okay, so it took you reading the Bible to realize that those things were bad for you? Yeah, it actually did. I, I didn't figure this out on your own? No, Ted, Ted Bundy could be redeemed. God doesn't kill children. What do you think the Passover was? Yahweh sets up a whole system in the Old Testament where you slaughter animals just so he's able to forgive you. Today's special guest is author and teacher Aaron Onfeld. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? I am a teacher. I teach hmm. English through sophomores in high school, and I've been doing it for 27 years. Thank you for your service. Holy cow. <laughs> That's a lot of work. So your book, tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah. So um, I'm a Christian in a public school and that comes with its own challenges, which I'm sure you're curious about, Michael. Absolutely. Um, but that comes with its own challenges um, being a Christian in public school because I have, I'm, I'm employed by the state. And so I need to be mm. careful about um, not proselytizing and pushing mm. kids to believe something. Um, but I am who I am. I have, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. Um, I have a faith that like drives me. And mm. so, um, and I'm an English teacher. So as an English teacher, every day I talk about stories. I talk about books with the kids and, and we talk about the authors who write those stories. Mm. And when we talk about the authors who write those stories, we talk about their purpose for the book. What, what is John Steinbeck doing with Of Mice and Men? What is Ray mm. Bradbury doing with Fahrenheit 451? Why did he put the setting? Why did he create the setting the way it is? Why did he bring these characters into the book the way he did? And as an English teacher, I'm talking about the authors all the time. But at the same time, I'm thinking about God as an author and um, recognizing mm. that, man, I think God likes symbols too. And God... He has conflict in, in, in our, we all have conflicts in our stories and he, and he allows those conflicts to come into our stories. And on top of that, he has, he has a purpose for the story that he writes. And so God is just like these master authors that we always talk about in my classroom as we talk about stories. And, and hmm. now I'm starting, now I'm writing this book about 
um, God being the author of our story and what is he doing with the conflicts in our stories and the symbolism in our stories and 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 how do we find the purpose in the stories that he's writing for us. So that's kind of what my book's about. It's called No Random Life. Gotcha. Gotcha. God is the author of our stories. Interesting. How does that work? Well, I need to, there's a little caveat there. I think that I need to say that that he's the author of our story if we hand him the pen. If we hand oh. him the pen. Right, right. So what like, does that mean? So what that means is you make him Lord of your life. You make, you give him control. Huh. So when we, when we, like God, obviously he creates us to have free choice to make decisions. And, um, and, and Adam and Eve, obviously early on, they're making decisions and he gave them choice. He said, you know, don't eat from this fruit. Don't eat from this tree. Um, you need to, you need to make decisions on your own. And because actually without choice, there's no love. You can't have love you as a dad. I know you have two boys, Michael, and you as a dad, you, you, um, you love your kids. Um, but you're making a choice to love them. You're choosing to love those kids. Hmm. Um, it's something that is something that you have a choice to do. You could, if you wanted to, um, hmm. throw them out and get rid of them and say, I'm done with you. Um, Wait, that's an option. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have three teenagers. And so, so there's oh, definitely man. times where it's like, Oh, um, so anyways, yeah. So, so God gives us choices and he, hmm. and, and he gives us choices. Not only does he choose to love us, but he gives us an opportunity to, to choose to love him. Hmm. And so, um, so anyways, he gives us choice. Um, and hmm. so we, we can, we can, write the story ourselves and take it in the direction we want, or we can, we can invite God into it and say, Hey, you be the author. You, you take the pen, you write the story. Um, and so, so like there, I've just, just dealt with a suicide recently in my school. Hmm. And, um, and this boy, um, this boy was a kid that was, he's a sophomore in my class and I loved him like crazy. And we Hmm. actually went and got grilled cheese together and, um, I brought him to Young Life, and and the Young Life is this organization that kind of introduces Jesus to kids outside of school. And um, and this kid, he chose to take his life. Huh. And and a lot of people would say, well, if God's the author of the story, then why, how would He let this kid take his life? Well, that's the that's the point that I'm trying to make is that that God lets us make decisions, and He lets us take the pen if we want to, um, and that can lead to destructive. Um, hmm and destructive decisions that we make. So um, anyways, yeah. Is that, is that good parenting though? Is what good parenting? Letting us take the pen. Like if I let my kids write their own story, if I didn't step in when they were doing stuff that was harmful. Oh, um, I think it's fabulous parenting. I think, I think really? that, I think that as a, as a dad of teenagers, if I was to control my kids and tell mm-hmm. my kids, you are going to be home at eight o'clock. You're going to, um, you're going to be in bed by eight 30 and you can only see these certain people and you will decide to go to church with me and you will decide to read the Bible. And I'm going to make sure you read your Bible every morning. If I did that to my kids, they would hate me and they would, they would hate everything I believe in. And so I give mm-hmm. my kids an opportunity to choose to go to church with me or not go to church with me, to choose to be home at a certain time. I, obviously, when they're little, when they're like five, you know, and this is where you're, I don't know where your kids are in their age, but when they're little they're you're going to, obviously you're going to say, you're going to bed at this time you put in a bed, but gradually the way that they grow is by you giving them more and more opportunities to choose and to become um, independent and to grow through those choices. Right. Choosing and choices that are, are safe. Um, right. Where, where harm comes in. That's where I step in. If, if one of my, my kids is threatening to hurt themselves. 
I will step in. I will do everything in my power to stop them from doing that. God does not, even if he's writing your story. Uh, I would I would disagree with that. Well, for a couple of things, a couple of things hmm. what you said. Um I I let my kids choose destructive things for themselves. Um there's a there's a limit terrible. though, right? What? There's a limit though, right? Oh, You're yeah, not yeah. gonna let them eat acid or 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 you know shoot people. I mean <laughs> there's a limit. Right. But yeah. Michael, the truth is, the truth is they're gonna be gone. Like we we can't control them after a while. There's a point right, where yeah, they're yeah. gone and they have to can't control them now. Safe. What are you talking about? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But they're yeah, they're gonna be gone and they're gonna they're gonna go off to like already. My I have one daughter in college and she's making mm. choices on her own. And and uh, my son, he just went to Grand Tetons and he's out there right now. And we're like, oh my gosh, you know, because he's around grizzly bears and he's doing backpacking and all this mm. crazy stuff. And so, and he's choosing to go for like nine days and they and we let them choose their food. We let them choose all the you know make all the decisions about where they'd stay, and and those choices could lead to some wet nights because, you know, they're, they're missing some things they need and it could, it could lead to them um, not really enjoying the food that they chose and they might come up back. So anyways, yeah. So, so I think when I, and when I give him that choice, when I let him choose that for him in a lot of ways feels like love. Cause if I'm trusting him, I'm letting him go. He's feeling very good about, um, about me as a dad saying, yeah, you know, go. And this, this could be hard and there could be hard, hard things. It's June. Grand Tetons are wet. There's a lot of snow and rain right now. And so, so he's, he's choosing to go out and already they, their burner didn't work. Their grill didn't work and he's <laughs> struggling with making food. And so anyways, I don't want to go on a tangent, but, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I do. Thanks let a lot, him, Jesus. I mean, they're supposed to help me <laughs> out here. <laughs> so I, I do let him make those choices. And, and, um and you also brought up God. I think that um hmm. God lets me, God, God will intervene. There are times where God will intervene and um and especially if if we're saying you're lord of my life if i'm if i'm making that a, a commitment if i'm if i'm acknowledging that he's lord of my life and i'm giving him the pen um then yes he steps in um i i love jocelyn um and your in your interview last last time she um, she, she did great she did so yeah. great and she talked about a decision she was having to make and that she felt like god protected her from from getting into some trouble um, I think it was with business that she was doing and, mm. and, and he kind of protected her. There is the whole idea of the Holy Spirit um, leading us and counseling us. That is a very real thing. Mm. And, um, and there's definitely times and you talk about it being like tingling that God gives you tingling, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, tingles. that's a, right. There's yeah. Spidey tingles. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's a real thing, you know, where, where um, we're headed in a certain direction and, uh-huh. And, um, and kind of going in a certain direction. And then, and then we know, oh, I'm, I'm, I, I need to not do this. I need to go in a different direction or, or that door closes. And then we recognize later, um, I, that would have been very bad for me. That would have been very bad if I continued down that path or if I made that decision. Hmm. And so, yeah, I definitely would say there are times where God intervenes and, and directs me in a different, different way. But if you're a person who has not given him the pen hmm. and you make your own choices, which God lets you do, um, then, then you, your choices could lead you to destruction and, and God's going to let you do that. God's going to let you take that direction. Hmm. So if we give God the pen and bad things happen, God's got the pen. Mm-hmm. Is that God's fault or is it our fault or is it Satan's fault or Spider-Man's or how's it work? Well, I love that. I love that Jocelyn, um, brought up a bunch of things. She brought up our own decisions hmm. and she brought up, um, Satan 
and mm -hmm. she brought up other people's decisions. Um, those are all different factors that play into bad things happening. Um, my dad has cancer right now mm -hmm. and he is a hardcore believer. Like you described yourself in your little narrative that you're a hard, you were a hardcore believer. Mm -hmm. he, he's, he was a, he's a hardcore believer. He still is a hardcore believer. Um, even with cancer, um, because for him, this world is, and this is for anybody who, who Temporary. walks with God, this world is not all there is. This yeah. is not it. Yeah. So, well, I see, I see it as all there is. Um, this is all yeah, we have. Right. So I'm going to make it as awesome as I can. Um, right. and, and if, if I get cancer, um, and there's an all powerful God that loves me and he's taking away from things that I love and cherish, I mean, that's, that's not a good thing. I don't see that as a good thing. Well, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, hmm. imagine yourself, let's see if I, hopefully this doesn't break down too much, but imagine <laughs> yourself, you're a, you're a, um, you're going into the Navy SEALs. Hmm. Okay. And, um, and you are, you are, you need to, you need to be come out on the other side of that training as a soldier who's equipped to do your job. Well, hmm. um, God, in a lot of ways, he cares much more about our hearts and about the fruits of the spirit. You've, you've heard of those probably teaching Sunday school and just a few Sunday times. <laughs> so, you know, the, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all that stuff. God cares about that stuff coming out of our hearts and he cares about hmm. um he cares about just the the our character what hmm. much more than he does about our comfort and it's the same with those navy seals those navy seals they step into this training and and they're going to be dunked underwater they're going to be like sitting there in freezing temperatures with waves hmm. crashing over their heads they can barely stand it and they're have guys yelling at the whole time and you you know where this is going where i'm taking this but the training leads them to become these incredible soldiers on the other side. And, and God is the same way with us in a lot of ways is we, we give him the pen and we say, I want you to be Lord of my life. And mm -hmm. God's like, I'm going to make you into someone who is as much like my son, like Jesus as I can. Mm -hmm. And so he uses this life not to make us all happy and give us like fun TV shows to watch and a couch to sit on. And, <laughs> you know, he, he, he wants, he wants us to have our hearts struggle. Straight. He want, he believes God knows that. And, and it's true. Like if we look to, even if from a human total human perspective, not God perspective, hmm. struggle makes us stronger. You know, that's why could, you lift weights. That's why you could lift he weights. have made it differently though. Could God have made it so where there isn't a struggle and you are still happy. To me, if I like looking at a world where there's all happiness and no struggle looks to me a lot like, have you seen that movie Wally? Have you seen heaven? <laughs> I mean, isn't that what heaven's supposed to be? Well, well, Wally, you know that movie Wally? Yeah, yeah, about? yeah. Wally, okay. love that movie. Great film. Yeah, so those those people like they sit on these chairs that move <laughs> That's around. That's where we're headed, man. That's where we're headed. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and they, yeah, I know. And I just got re finished reading Fahrenheit 451 with my kids. Have you read that? No, right? I have not. No. Oh my gosh, that book. It was written like in the 50s, but it predicted mm -hmm. perfectly people being on screens all the time on their phones, like hmm. completely always plugged in. Uh, well, I mean, never... they were on newspapers all the time. So, I mean, you put a screen there instead, and it's just gonna be the same thing. We're humans. This is what we do. What's in front of our face is going to be there, you know? <laughs> right. So, but it's, it's scary with the, it, basically these people are not think, thinkers anymore. They can't, hmm. they can't process. They can't. There are, think. there are some. Yeah. 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 So anyways, that's, that's in this book, but anyways, the Wally, these people in this movie, they just, they just move around their chairs and they, they have food brought to them. They push a button, you know, and they get fatter and fatter and fatter. Mm. 
So anyways, to me, that's what a world without any kind of struggle or any kind of like any kind of difficulty or any hmm. trial, that's what that looks like. It looks like a bunch of fat people watching screens. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. But what about heaven though? Is is heaven not that place? Was the the garden not that place? Okay, so the garden was not that place mm. again because in the in heaven and in the garden there there is still work. You're working. And you're mm. and you've got you've got you're you're working with the soil, you're working with the plants and you're and you're you're um, working with the animals. And so God, huh. the way God, God designed work to be a part of his perfect creation. So, so everything, everything that, everything you think about with heaven, it's not just sitting on clouds and, and harps. Um, heaven is all about community and connection with people and work and, and putting forth effort and seeing fruit come from your effort. So there huh. is, I would say there is kind of struggle in some ways in heaven. Well, that um, doesn't maybe, sound like a perfect wanna, place to me, though. If we're going to struggle, and if we're going to struggle in heaven, it does not sound perfect. Well, I honestly like I like going outside and working the soil. I like getting. I don't. In, I like okay, <laughs> but you know what? You know what you do like. It's I know too what you hot. Do like Michael, <laughs> Michael, you do like working with your kids and processing with your wife about your kids and how to hmm. raise those kids, and that's not easy. That's not easy at all. Yeah, and no, you, and, and you also yeah, no. like. You also like doing podcasts and and putting videos up for people. And, and that takes work. Like that takes yeah. all kinds of creativity and effort. And then on the other side of it, you're you're you like what came out of that. And so hmm. God designed us, God designed us to put forth effort and work and be creative and hmm. see results on the other side. We were created as image to to do those things. And so so I would say, I would say in a lot of ways, everyone to some extent um wants wants struggle. I Honestly, though, if I could do this show without any struggle, if I could parent without any struggling, holy crap, man, I would definitely do it. Sign me up. <laughs> I don't I don't want to have to struggle, man. I don't want to have to do all that. Um, I don't want the technical difficulties, the writer's block and everything that comes with the podcasting. You know, and if I could just do it without all that, that'd be great. I'm, I'm still learning my craft. I'm still perfecting my craft. I'm just not struggling in the these ridiculous parts. Um, but there's so beauty. I, yeah. There's beauty that comes out of that struggle. There's like, so like, what about the ones I don't struggle for? There's still beauty that comes out of those. I'm just gonna boast my own podcast here. You know, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even listen to my own show. But you know, I'm just saying there there are good things that come out of less struggle. So why do we have to struggle if we can get good results with no struggling? Um, because I I really believe because there's there's beauty that comes from it. There's that's there's a, a great shaping of your heart and there's character and there's reward when you when you work through something and you see good come on the other side and this goes back to my book actually um how convenient <laughs> the, i love the it. idea the idea of god being an author right john hmm. any any good author like john steinbeck or ray bradbury hmm. or shakespeare they're going to take their characters through struggle and and then on the other side of that struggle there's this beautiful, powerful, meaningful um, ending, and and uh, and even in John Steinbeck, like the ending, in of mice and men. I don't mm. know if you've read of mice and men, but in of mice and men, been a while. One friend shoots the other friend, and that's how it ends. And so, so it's like shocking and difficult, <laughs> and 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 you're and all my students when we read that ending, we're like, 
what the heck? Like, wh- how why'd that happen? <laughs> and and it and it's like difficult to to work through. But then as we process it and we think about like the relationship between George and Lenny, and we think about all they'd been through to try to accomplish their dream and and the difficulty of it and the and the land mm. and the place where they where they lived and did their work, like it's all so beautiful. Like Steinbeck makes it so beautiful. And and if without the struggle, if it was just like about two guys, like mm. I don't know, hanging out at a beach the whole time, it would be like so it would be completely boring. It would be like who who cares about who cares about two people um sitting at a beach, you know, reading magazines and watching TV. Yeah, it's a weekend at Bernie's. I just went right to the two guys at the beach. <laughs> what if it was a little bit different? They just hung out at the beach the whole day. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh man. So I, you know, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I can't get behind the suffering and the struggling part as necessary. Um, especially the, the lengths that we have to go through for suffering. Um, now, as far as suffering in the Bible, the Bible says that suffering is good. Rejoice in suffering. First uh, Peter 4.13. Suffering, uh, suffering the abuse of harsh masters is a good thing. First Peter 2.18. Um, there's, there's one in here that says suffer like a good Christian soldier uh, or soldier of Jesus. Second Timothy 2.3. I, I don't see... Like, I can't see myself as a parent telling my kids, it's good to suffer. Your suffering is great. It makes you a better person. No, I don't want them to have to struggle or to suffer. If they can learn and go through life without that, I'm going to make it possible for them to do that. And that's the difference between me and God is God wants us to go through struggles, apparently. And I don't want my kids to have to go through struggles. So if they can learn a different way, let's do it. Um, if I can teach them before they make the wrong decision, not always happening, they're kids, but you know, then then I've done my part and done my the best I can. Um, God is a little different. He knows the best way to do things. He knows what is going to help, what is going to make things worse, what is going to make people do certain things. God knows. God has the power to make people not suffer, to have them go through life and learn things without suffering. But he chose it this way. This is how he wants things to be done. He wants suffering and struggle and pain and evil. This is all part of his plan, as far as I see. Now, do you see this as part of his plan? Is this God's got a, a grand scheme that he's pushing forward and, and and making happen? I think I think there's two two parts of suffering. One one part is the part where um there's a scripture in Hebrews that says that God disciplines those he loves. And, and that part of suffering is like a coach, you know, like a coach will take you through, um, my son runs cross country and so he suffers a lot. Mm. And so he, he (laughs) has to go out on, he has to go out on these like three, you know, three mile runs and, and, uh, five mile runs and and six mile runs. Oh, jeez. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) But, but, um, that scripture in Hebrews talks about God disciplines those he loves. And that's just not, that's not just saying like, Oh, you're bad. And I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm going to beat you because of it. That's like Mm -hmm. the discipline is like the discipline of a coach, you know, where he says, Hey, I want you to get ready for this meet coming up. And so we're going to run, um, eight, four hundreds right now around Mm -hmm. the track. And you're going to have two minutes of breathing in between each one. And then you have to run again. Um, and that's suffering, right? That's suffering, but that's a coach taking his, taking his players through that suffering to get them to a certain point. Training all the training. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, and that's what he means by in discipline. Discipline can be like, you know, you get, you have a consequence for what you did, but it also can be like the training. So that's one piece of suffering. The other piece of suffering is just the part that comes from 
um, living in a world where we all make our choices and we all have freedom, where God doesn't make us robots and and He doesn't um, He doesn't dictate everything we do. He lets mm. us choose, which is which is why you can be creative on your show and choose to <laughs> choose to do creative things with your show, and I can do creative things with my book. But He lets us choose, and so so we can bring that suffering on ourselves. Um, and then in, in a fallen world like my dad, my dad has cancer, right? And so in the midst of that, in the midst of that struggle that he's got, um, he is, he's being changed and refined and we, it could be God coaching him. It could be God doing things with his heart to make him come to a certain point. Because again, this is where you and I are different. You believe that this world is all there is. Hmm. And I believe that there is, this is like the first chapter of a huge book. And so, so this is just the beginning. And so there's all this shaping and, and transformation that's happening in my life because I've given God the pen and he's shaping and transforming me and doing that with my dad too, as he goes through cancer. Sorry about that, man. That sucks. I, yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. That's, that's anyway. It's, yeah. Um, the punishment for no, the struggle, the struggle, the suffering. I'm going to go back to the original curse from God. Now, God's point is, from what I'm getting, is he wants us to struggle and suffer so we can become better people, better Christians. Is that ultimately to make us, more, make us more like Jesus? Yeah, to change make us. us more like Jesus. So we to suffer to be like Jesus. In a lot of ways, yeah. Okay. So when God was handing out the original curse, was he, what was he thinking in that point? Was he trying to get people to suffer to be like Jesus? Or was he just upset because they didn't listen? Are you? How, how's are you the original to, curse? Are you referring to when when they chose to eat the fruit and then they yeah, Genesis three all. fourteen where he gives the whole the whole curse as he lists them all from snake to to people to yeah right right so that's yeah that's after Adam and Eve chose to take the fruit and once and they again, disobedience disobeyed once yeah right right they disobeyed and so so um yeah so when you make a when you make a decision to um to do something other than what God um, wants from you, um, other than how God's designed you to live, other uh -huh. than God's like God's perfect order for our lives. If you make, if you don't follow his little, little box, if you get out of that little right. box, right. If you're going to be is, mad, right. Well, <laughs> what happens is that's called, that's sin. And so, well, yeah, disobeying so when, God is called sin. That's it's weird, but yes, we can't just call it not listening to God or disobeying God. No, he has a special word. It's called sin. And this special word means that God is mad at you. <laughs> well, it could also just be that we're messed up. You know, like we have, well, we, have think, we think thoughts that we shouldn't think all the time. Like I still, I mean, I'm a, I'm a strong believing Christian. That's my, that's Jesus is everything to me, but I still, you know, say stupid things to my wife. I shouldn't have said, I get controlling of my kids and I lose my temper and, you know, all that stuff. And, and, and mm -hmm. I think. Um, many of us, you and I probably included, we could agree on certain things that you're like, that's just not how it should be. And hmm. you've referred to those things also a lot of times in your show is just, you know, this isn't good. This isn't good. You're kind of saying these things are right versus wrong. Hmm. And, um, and there is, yeah, God set up, hmm. God set up a natural law. And, and when we go against that, it's sin. But the truth is the Bible says everybody, everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so, so then Adam and Eve, in that in the garden going back to your question when they chose to eat from the fruit they're choosing to sin and then there's a consequence and so what happens is then we all fall short of god's of of perfection you know why we, did why why would god choose to to have us all fall 
and not just the people that, that sinned originally. Now we're all born sinful. Now we're all born doing things God doesn't like. Why? We Because ultimately, because we get to experience Jesus in our lives. Well, That's I have. Thing is, <laughs> uh, sorry, that one, that was a good one. Uh, but, okay, <laughs> let me just finish. Let me finish really quick. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so ultimately what God wants is he wants us to be like, and this is what you want with your sons. God wants us to be in a relationship with him. He is desperate for us to, to um, like, I would, I'm maybe not desperate. Yeah, desperate. Okay. I think well, he, he wants us he's so desperate? bad. Well, no, really. He wants us so bad to be in relationship with him and to enjoy community with him that that he sent his son um, to die on a cross for us and and to shed his blood so that we could have relationship with him. Like he he sacrificed he Aaron. sacrificed his son so that we could have relationship with him. So that Aaron. Michael, <laughs> you're telling me God is so desperate to have a relationship with me. Number one, he never shows up. He's so desperate, but he never shows up. He never talks to me. He never does anything. And then Wait, what, what are you talking that, about? What are you talking about? Wait, let's God go back never to shows up to, to have a relationship with. Yeah. He never shows up to have a relationship with me. With you the, personally? With me or with my Michael wife Weisman. or my kids or anybody that I've seen he hasn't actually really? shown up to have that relationship with them. You're talking about Michael Wiseman, right? Not yes. everybody. Okay. Well, we okay. Can, yeah. So, so with Michael Wiseman specifically, <laughs> um, he is like my dad, my dad, when he was, when we were, um, when I was little, we had this, we had this hill on our farm and it had rattlesnakes. There were rattlesnakes everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and my dad called that rattlesnake bluff as a joke, not rattlesnake hill, because he did not believe there were rattlesnakes there. <laughs> and so, so he, he never, he never, um, believed that, that there were rattlesnakes. My mom would always say, no, there's rattlesnakes there. There's rattlesnakes. So one day we went as a family and we're looking for arrowheads and we're walking around in these canyons and this giant rattlesnake is right next to me. And I'm like four or five <laughs> and I'm crying. And my mom is saying, telling me like slowly, come, come towards me. Come on, buddy. Come on, come on over towards me. And I kind of slowly walk over towards her. And, um, and then she pulls me away and we walk away. And my dad never again called it rattlesnake bluff because, mm -hmm. because, um, he experienced the rattlesnakes. Mm -hmm. And I would say, Michael, with you, um, you said that you were, well, let me ask you this question. Why did you say that you were, um, like, what did you say? You called it gung ho Christian, or you call it like locked in <laughs> Christian or something? I don't know what, what? I called it, but I I'm definitely a Christian. I was, I was, I was uh, uh, definitely a Christian. Um, okay, so gung-ho, you can go gung-ho, yeah. Okay, so why were you, I forgot how you worded it in your narrative. Hardcore anyway. for Jesus. Hardcore, yeah. Yeah, yeah so why would you say, why were you, <laughs> were you hardcore because your parents were like scaring you or why were you hardcore? Hmm. Because I believed. This is what I was taught my whole life. I knew nothing else. And and kind of funny story is, is when I, the first time I heard somebody talk differently about religion, because, you know, I was, everything was great, great, great religion it was George Carlin. And that was a huge surprise to me. The things that he was saying, I'm like, wow, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. That's hilarious. And it sounds bad, but it kind of makes sense. So I, that's all I was taught was, was church, 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 church. I forgot the question. Now, what was the question? <laughs> why were you, why were you hardcore? Why were oh, you yeah, hardcore? Because yeah. I grew up in it and I believed. And, and again, that's what I was taught. So uh, why would I question what my parents are telling? My parents are telling me the truth. They, the, my parents are telling me, the pastors are telling me, my grandparents are telling me, everybody in the church is telling me, my youth leaders, my my children's church leaders, all of them. 
So I believed it and mm -hmm. I had tingles. My tingles came from emotions. My emotions from other people and the music and the way the sounds were, all of that. That's where my tingles came from. And I can recreate those tingles through movies or other music. And it just slowly progressed to, I don't need this whole Jesus thing. I'm, I'm perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, no, I was definitely hardcore for Jesus. I loved my Jesus. I raised my hands and sang. I did all that stuff. You know, I was, I was there. I was part of it. And then I slowly walked away from it. So you, you'd probably say that you never experienced God, right? You just experienced tingles that you created. Right. And and it's the same thing as, you know, everybody tells me, oh, I feel God. But can you distinguish God from going to see a concert or going to see a great movie? Can you distinguish that feeling? Is there a different feeling or is it the same tingle? And that's where I'm at. It's the same tingle. So how do you know it's God? Well, <laughs> this is a, okay, I'm going to say it again. This goes back to my book. Hmm. Um can I tell you a quick story? Of course. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, and you'll appreciate this, this is apparent. My wife and I, early in our marriage, we went to live in Venezuela. Wow. Uh, as teachers, we we taught in Venezuela. And, and we figured we'd go to Venezuela. And this is our plan. We'd go to Venezuela. We would get, my wife would get pregnant because we were planning on having kids. And then because we were pregnant, they wouldn't allow, I mean, they pay for your, they pay for your apartment. They pay for your utilities there um, with the school where we were going to work. Um, but if you have a dependent, if you have a kid, then you have to leave. And so we were, oh. we were, we were a young couple. And so we figured we'd get, we'd have kids and then we'd, we'd, we'd get, but Deb would get pregnant. We'd have to come home. Then we leave. Yeah. So, right. Then we'd leave Venezuela. So the first year um, we don't get pregnant. And then, um, so we say, okay, well, we'll stay another year. Second year. We aren't getting pregnant either. And by that time, my wife's getting discouraged. And I'm, we're like asking God, why are we not getting pregnant? What's going on? What's going on? So then, um, then the third year we're thinking about, we're thinking about like why still wondering and seeing doctors and what's and seeing doctors in the United States, seeing doctors in Venezuela. And then while the whole time, while we're going through this, our school is um, preparing to do a, a music concert hmm. and they're doing the music of Prince of Egypt. Have you seen a Prince of Egypt? <laughs> yeah. It's an old, old cartoon, animated cartoon. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, DreamWorks, I think, one, too, right? What'd you say? DreamWorks, right? I think it was DreamWorks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And one song is, um, you will see miracles if you believe. <laughs> oh, great job, and so, great job. <laughs> so every day, oh, thank you. Every day I'm walking past the this, this music room where they're practicing and I'm hearing this music over and over again. Plus, mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm going through the book of Joshua mm. and um, in Joshua, Joshua, um, he steps into the, mm. at one point they have to step into the Jordan river. And when they yeah. step into the Jordan river, that's when the water parts, but they have to step in the river first. They can't wait for it to part, then step in. They have mm. to step in by faith and then the water parts. And so I'm reading the, reading about this water partying and the, the Jordan river. And I'm hearing this music about Prince of Egypt, which has also got, the story has the Red Sea parting and, and yeah. Moses walking through and I'm thinking about God requiring us to trust him before we see the miracle. And I'm also thinking about in the back of my head about mm. my wife not being pregnant and why are we not having kids? And I really felt, and this is back to your tingles, mm. I really felt like God was saying to me, Aaron, you need to trust me and make a decision by faith without having to make the decision because you're pregnant. Like you need to trust me first, step into the water first, 
and then you'll see the miracle. And so by the end of our third year, we decided we need to go back to the United States. We're going to go back to the United States. We felt like we were supposed to go back. And after we make that decision, um, I was thinking that's when we'll see the miracle. That's when we'll find out we're pregnant. Hmm. And so, so, cause I was thinking about the Jordan river, you know, when we cross back into the United States from South America, back to the U S when we hmm. make our step into the Jordan river, that's when the water will part. And I was thinking maybe God wants me to make that decision, um, by faith to stepping into that river. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, we go, maybe, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We go to Miami, uh, we fly into Miami. We visit my sister in Florida. We're there for like a few days before we're going to fly all the way back to Colorado. And while we're visiting her, I have this night where I am so grumpy and they have, my sister had this guest over this fighter pilot and he was like bragging and like the whole time talking about himself. And I was judging him the whole time, like just being critical and, and grumpy. And my wife has a cold, she's sick. So she goes to bed mm. early. And then I go into my sister's bathroom, the only place I can find to be alone in this apartment. And I'm like telling God, I'm like, I'm frustrated. I'm grumpy and I'm sorry, God. And I just felt like God needed to give me a spanking because I was being, <laughs> I was judging and being a jerk. And oh, so anyways, man. that's what I felt like I deserved. <laughs> and so. <laughs> I think that's I the weirdest down. thing said on the show, Aaron. <laughs> I sit down in the uh, in the bathroom on the tile floor, uh-huh. and I open up my Bible. I'm by myself. I open my open my Bible, and I open up to Isaiah twenty nine twenty three, and it says, "When they see among them their children, the work of my hands, they will stand in awe of the God of glory." And hmm. in that moment, I really felt God telling me, "You're going. You're about to find out. You're getting pregnant." Just like I told you that if you stepped into that. Jordan River, you know, coming across back to the U.S., make that decision by faith, you'll see the miracle. So then two days later, my wife and I are driving back to the airport and and uh, we need to stop for gas and we're arguing with the car and it's hot and I'm grumpy and I've got ketchup on my shirt. And we, we go into the, we stop for gas. My wife, before she takes drugs for a cold, she decides I'm just going to do a pregnancy test. But we had done it many, many times before and never had any hmm. positive. So she goes in the bathroom and I'm in the bathroom and I come out after I gas the car, I go in the bathroom, I come out and she's our, she's looking for me. She's running around the gas station. I can see with the glass windows, holding up the stick, like super <laughs> excited because we're pregnant. Yeah. And so, yeah. so here's, here's where I see God as an author. He, he weaves in that music about Prince of Egypt. He weaves in the Joshua and me reading about Joshua the Jordan River, the Red Sea. Then I come back in Isaiah 29, 23. I read this scripture about, about they will see among their children the work of my hands. And then I know that's God telling me that we're going to find out we're pregnant later. All these pieces come together, just like Charles Dickens, bringing together all these different subplots and sub stories to make them all fit and connect to something beautiful. And so obviously people can say, no, that's coincidence. You just randomly opened that page or it's a coincidence that the music was playing or that you made that decision your third year. And that when you came across, it just happened that you, you'd find out right away about getting pregnant. So people could say that, um, but there's all these things that seem too connected. Maybe coincidence, right? Maybe because you, you had said maybe God wants this. You have a personal relationship with God. He talks to you, right? Right. Right. So why didn't he say, go home to the United States and you will get pregnant? He sends you a song, a tingle, and a vague verse. 
Wait, what's I mean, the tingle? What are you talking about? Tingle? Uh, did you give you a tingle? Sorry, there, was there a tingle in there? Was there a feeling? I think it, there was okay, a okay. spidey sense. Okay. <laughs> Jesus sense. Oh no, we just came up with a new one. We got the Jesus sense going on. Um, so God wants. Maybe God wants. These are vague. Like even the verse is vague. Like you could have read Mary's pregnant. That would be different. That would be, oh, crap, that's definitely something. But just saying that it's very vague and you even yourself question whether it's God or not. Maybe he wants me to do this. Maybe he wants me to go there. But I don't know. This guy that you have a personal relationship with sends you maybes. Now, if if my wife wanted me to do the dishes and I didn't know it, she's going to tell me. Grab those dishes for me. She's not. I'm not going to be like, maybe she wants me to do it. I heard this song about dishes. And then I opened a book that said something about washing. So my wife is sending me these thoughts. No, like if I have a relationship with somebody, they want me to do something. They're going to tell me straight out. They're not going to send me hints and music and, and Bible verses. God is an all powerful being. And this is how he chooses to communicate. I'll tell you, Mike, I'm from a, I'm trying, what I'm doing when I say maybe is I'm, yeah. and I, is I'm, recognizing my own humanity. Um, there's a, there's a really poignant, one of my favorite verses in the new Testament is moments in the new Testament is when Jesus comes up to this guy, um, whose son is demon possessed. Uh-huh. And, and the son is like, he's flipping out. Like he's, he's going crazy. And the dad, uh-huh. obviously like any dad is desperate for his son to not, um, not have this demon. And he wants him yeah. to be healed. He wants to be freed of it. And so Jesus comes up to him and says, um, I can, um, I can heal him. Um, would you like me to heal him? And he says, he says, um, yes, um, if you can. And then Jesus addresses the if part. Hmm. And he says, and and then he says, if I can. And then the dad says, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And, and so the, the, what I love about that is it's so honest. It's about like how we all are. We all struggle with um, with faith and trusting and, and, um, just like my, just like hmm. I struggle with trusting my son to go off to the Tetons, the grand Tetons, yeah. you know, like, it's like scary. Like, I think I can trust you to go out there and be by yourself and be there for nine days and then come back as a junior in high school. Yeah. Um, and so, so there's like, we're human. And so we can't, we, we're not machines where we can just say, this is definite. And I definitely believe and, and God is in the business of, He's described as the author and perfecter of our faith. So what he does is he's constantly um, not only shaping our hearts and and using trials and using struggles to do that, um, but also he um, he's also building our faith and teaching us to, to to trust him because our relationship with God is is a little different than like your yours your relationship with me, Michael. Because hmm. I I can't see God, you can't see God, um, and and uh, and so we have to learn. We have to learn to listen to the spirit and to um, to demonstrate faith and, faith and trust. And that's not something we can conjure up all, all on our own either. We need help to do that. And so I wouldn't like force you. I could never force you to believe something just hmm. like you can't force me to believe something. Um, I honestly believe, and I think this is true in, with the Bible, is that God's the one that um, gives us faith and gives us the ability to believe and, and, and works on that and, and refines that. Well, so in in this, thank you. In the scenario you you mentioned though, um, with the man talking to Jesus, he was talking to Jesus physically, and there was right. a, there was a, there was an answer back, and it, and it was he was able to communicate with him, 
right? In your scenario, there was no answer. There was song and a vague verse. Right, because Jesus isn't here. He's not, he's not, I mean, he's here in spirit. I was going to say, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. He's here in spirit. Like, I, and I think from your background, you probably know this, but, yeah. but um, Jesus, when he, when he rose again, he told his disciples, like, I'm going to leave you now. And when, when I leave, I'm going to leave my spirit here with you. His ghost. And that spirit, that's, yeah, that spirit will guide you and will counsel you. And, and that's like we were talking about earlier in this conversation. That's a very real thing. Does that um, ghost so, talk? What'd you say? Does that ghost talk? Do you mean like an audible voice? Yeah, like that guy was talking to Jesus and getting answers. Are you able to talk to Jesus's ghost and get answers? I, every morning I walk around in this, actually this room right here, I walk <laughs> around, I pace in this room uh -huh. and I, I lay out all the things I'm dealing with, with, with God. I tell him all the things I'm struggling with. Why and do you have to tell I, him? What? So many questions. Sorry. Why do you no, have no, to tell good. him? Like, doesn't he already know your oh, struggles? That's a great question, Michael. The reason why is because he's my father. Like, I just like when my son comes up to me and he says, Again, like, I different though, Aaron, that's different. That's a physical, well, look, you can put your hand on his shoulder. You can give him a hug, a pat on the back. You can talk to him physically, walk him through steps. God me, does not do that. Let me finish what I was saying though. Go ahead. Like, Go ahead. As I love it when my son comes up to me and he says, dad, I'm struggling with this or with this or with this. And he just sits in my presence and we talk and we process, or he's crying about something or hurt by something. Um, he doesn't cry now much as a teenage boy, but, um, but when he <laughs> like shares his heart, like that means so much to me. Mm -hmm. And and it does so much for our relationship by him telling me, even if I already know what he's feeling or what he's going through, or I know he, mm -hmm. I can see, like, I can obviously see what he's struggling with. When he comes to me and he processes his struggle, um, it becomes this, it builds the relationship. It makes this relationship even more solid and more beautiful. And and I'll add this to it: mm. um, without struggle, a lot of times he won't come to me. And so so when he's struggling with stuff, he comes to me and we process together. And this beautiful thing comes out of that. So that's another reason why I think struggle in a lot of ways is is great and powerful because. It just brings us together and it builds relationship and it, and it bonds us and it refines us. Hmm. But anyways, so I go to God the same way as my, my son comes to me. I go to him and say, Hey God, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm struggling with. And as I'm doing that, um, I'll open up the Bible and I'll, and there's a scripture that'll be perfect for me, or I'll be Weird. listening to a song and the Why song. Can he just talk to you though? Like you would with your son. You mean like all of a sudden if you saying, did. Yeah. Like, hello, Aaron. Yes. I like am that. your father, Eric. I'm here to comfort you and give you decisions or direction or any of that. He doesn't. I think that's I think that's a, a big part of that. And God does do that, by the way. Like there's what? that's in that's in the Bible where God speaks. Audibly. That's in the Bible. That these are all. Yeah. There, there's talking animals in the Bible too. I mean, He also sends people to rape people who are bad. I mean, it, 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 He doesn't like. So I mean, there's lots of things in the Bible. We can't just take everything in there and go, yeah, that happened. You know, I mean. <laughs> well, there's accounts, there's but accounts the outside the Bible of God being audible and speaking audibly to people. I know there's Supposedly. a friend of mine who's in the military and he's a, he's a, a colonel in the, in the military. He's an, he was a pilot and flew F-16s and while he was deployed, he's walking to his jet and he uh -huh. heard God speak to him audibly. Yeah. Well, there's also people that have been abducted by angel aliens to heal their Crohn's disease. So there's all kinds of interesting stories out there that are not based in reality as far as i'm concerned but the the main point is that the difference there that big difference 
between a physical father being there and able able to create or or, or have a two way conversation where we're having that discussion. Yes, when you're when you're sitting there with your kid and they start to get it, and you have that conversation, they start opening up. Man, that's amazing. That's awesome. But you can't do that with God. It's not a two way conversation. Let's take this the opposite way. Let's when our kids do something, I'm gonna play a song, and push a book towards them, and good luck. That's not fathering. That's absent fathering. That's that's that's, that's half-assing it. I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't do it that way. So you're just Why saying, does, what yeah. what you're saying is you you you're you're frustrated that God will not go. Hello, Michael. I'm here. No, I'm not frustrated. I'm just, that's just oh. there's there's many things here. There's, there's like this this many things I don't why I don't believe. <laughs> okay, okay. And that's just one page. Okay. So that's part of it, but that's uh-huh. definitely not the whole. So mm-hmm. yes, God doesn't communicate. That was always an issue with me. I always struggled with that. God doesn't really communicate with me. Oh, everybody's God's talking to them. God's talking to them. But the voice I hear is my own. There's no other voice in my head. Nothing distinct. Now, I, I talk to Spider-Man now because one of my guests, L, has brought me to this. And instead of talking to myself, I talk to Spider-Man. This I've created this being in my head. And that's kind of how I see Jesus and God. It's just this being in everybody's head, not everybody, some people's, and they talk to it. But it's just themselves. There's no way to separate that from from themselves. You are your own God. Well, that's a weird thing to say. But essentially, you've created God in your head and you're talking to him. That's where the faith part comes in. Faith to me, now, I love this, is pretending. I don't see the difference between faith and pretending. I have faith that there's an invisible man out there talking to me. I'm pretending that there's an invisible man out there talking. What is the difference between faith and pretending? I'd say experience. Explain. So my on my website, mm-hmm. um, I write stories every two weeks where I write about my experience with God as a, as a teacher in the public school. Mm-hmm. And so... There are all kinds of ways where where God shows up, and I and and this goes back to interpretation, obviously, because you could interpret it, you would interpret it differently. Hermeneutics, but, right? But there's all these examples of like um, a song that God gives at a, at the perfect time, or a verse that God gives that I need right when I need it, or a conversation with a friend that is that is well timed, or what about sometimes the times it's not though. Class. Well, let me let me finish. Go what what happened? Like something happens in class, and a student is. Um, got this really major struggle and I, and I don't even see it coming. Like there's no way I could plan it coming. And then because of the lesson that day that was already planned, it works out that this student is encouraged and lifted up and, and feels loved and feels seen. And that's not because I knew the kid was coming into my classroom, hurting with that specific struggle. And then all of a sudden this lesson would reach that kid. It's because mm-hmm. there's a God in nah. my my, from my perspective, uh-huh. there's a God that there's a God that is is um, leading me as I lead those kids and as I work with those kids. And so, so you, I, what Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, mm-hmm. it says that that God knows the plans, plans. He has for us. Yep. And but the but the other part of that that I love is right after that it says, um, and you will if you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And so I, so. Mm-hmm. God, God is teaching us to look to him, just like I was telling you about my son coming to me and hanging out with me. God wants us to look to him, to seek, to seek him. And when we seek him with, with genuine hearts, with childlike hearts, with childlike mm-hmm. faith, 
we will experience him. We'll find him. And hmm. I, what I would say about where you are, Michael, is, is you, you have made, you've made up in your mind that there's, there's not a God. Hmm. And so, so your heart and your mind truly aren't seeking him. You, you don't, you don't really want to find him because you've already made up your mind. You've made your decision. Now um, I have. Yes. There was right. a point where I was, I was seeking, I was begging, show up anything. I need a sign. I didn't get any music. I didn't get any fancy Bible stories. But then again, there is the Bible, Isaiah 65, 1, God reveals himself to people that aren't looking for him. What is it? I revealed myself to those who do not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I was seeking. I was looking. I was asking. But he didn't show up. But he showed up for these people. Interesting. Why would he do that? Well, it, we're, we're all his creation, right? We're all created by him. And so there's a couple of foundational truths is, is he's created you. I would believe this. He created mm. you, Michael. He created mm. me. So if we're created by him, and this goes back to Romans, if we're created by him, then we're like, and we're like clay creations, clay pots that he made, right? Uh -huh. Then he has the authority to do whatever he wants with us. He can, he can choose to do whatever he wants. So, but um, does it make it right if I create a clay pot? And poke and prod at it, poke a bunch of holes in it, smash it on the ground, set it on fire, teach it some well, lessons, have it struggle. You know, you have the authority to do that if you create but it. But does that make it that. a good thing, Aaron? That's that to me. That to me doesn't sound good. But no. but the other thing is, if God's the author and He's uh -huh. seeing He's seeing outside of the book, right? Oof, we, he's yeah. We, we are in the pages, right? We're in the like the minute pages and each little page and every little sentence. And we see lim our perspective is limited, but God is outside of it. And he sees the whole thing. He sees the entire story from beginning to end. So he sees the end of your story, Michael, all the way to the finish. And he's seen the beginning. He saw you as a little boy working through your faith and trying to figure out if there's a God or not. And I would say your story is not done yet. God is still working on your story. And it could be that that huh. story turns around. It could be well, that it turns around. <laughs> the funny thing is, the more I look into it, the more I read, the more absurd and nonsensical it sounds to me. Like the more I research, the more I talk to people, the more answers I get. I just it just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't add up. You you brought up the whole killing his son thing. Like it's a good thing. He could have chosen any other way, but he thought it was a great idea to clone himself and kill himself which was only temporary because he's, you know, eternal. It's kind of like that whole hand grenade story. I, I, I hear it all the time. Oh, God jumped on the hand grenade for you. God threw the hand grenade, jumped on it, and then didn't die from it and wants to be praised in worship now. That's how I see it. That's, I that's, did see, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I did see that clip a little bit. Like, I think you have that in an intro or something. I do, yeah. And so what was, can you just explain, how do you think that God threw the hand grenade? This is all his plan. God was the one that created evil. God is the one that set this entire thing in motion. God created the trees. He let the snake in the garden. If it was the devil or not, that's a whole other debatable conversation. But God let that in, knowing exactly what would happen. He's the one that threw the grenade. He created the grenade to go off this specific way and then threw it. And then, oh, look out, look out, and then jumps on it. Like, I'm saving everybody, but he's not, because he's not dead. He's he's still alive. He didn't save anybody from anything, really. He just is from himself, I guess. His own hand grenade that he threw. 
Yeah. Well, you probably wouldn't say that you bringing your boys into the world was creating a hand grenade. <laughs> Maybe it was. I don't know. <laughs> Have you met my kids? <laughs> uh, just, the difference is God that... is all knowing. I'm not. God is all powerful. I am not. But... So I, I think that, I think that, um, <laughs> God, God, God creates. God creates for a good purpose to bring beauty and to bring huh. life and to bring love um, into the world. Like that's the whole point of he, that's... the reason why he created Adam and Eve was, to, was for relationship with them and to, to connect with them. And the reason why he created, he separated himself uh, from them though, at the end, well, the end of that me... story, if he, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, let me finish. So anyway, yeah. so, so yeah, he created the garden. He created Adam and Eve and then and then walked with them every day in the garden like he it was the practice as they would walk together they saw god yeah yeah right right because because they were they were created to, to have a relationship with him because he because he loves his creation he loves his creation and hmm. so so then and then because he loves his creation because he loves his creation he did something radical and he gave it the option to choose um, which is why we can be create. Like I said this earlier, this is why we can be creative because if that was the God radical thing, if God didn't give us a chance to choose, um, then we couldn't like have imagination and like be, we couldn't be creative because it would all be from God. But, but if, if because he gives us the opportunity, opportunity to choose and to make decisions, we can do, we can make gardens, we can create great meals, like we can make decisions and be creative and come up with things that are imaginative um, because God's given us opportunity to choose. And we also can have love. Like I can choose to be with God or I can choose to not be with God, mm -hmm. I, just like my kids can choose to be with me or not be with me. So, so if bringing life and bringing love and bringing freedom um, is throwing a hand grenade, then, then yeah, then God did that. But I'm thankful he did because I want to experience love. I don't want to be a robot. I don't want to be, God could have made it where all of us come into this world and, and we're like, yes, God, I'll do your work. And then, you know, go every direction and just be these robots. But God, God wants us to choose to, to choose and make choices and to choose to love each other and to be our, be our own selves. Be our own selves. As long as we're doing everything he tells us to do. Um. Well, there is a way, and I would I would argue that there that the way that God has created, He calls Himself the way, the truth, and the life, and so Jesus Jesus is the way, hmm. and so so that would be um, choosing to love, choosing to have patience, choosing to all the fruits of the Spirit, you know, have peace in our hearts, um, choosing to be in community, choosing to look beyond ourselves. Like these are all things that most people would say are good things that God wants that, that we all should do regardless of God. Um, and so, yeah, I think God has set up a natural order that we need to follow. And when we don't follow that, which we don't most of the time, a lot of times, um, we mess things up and we, 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 then the grenade goes off, whoever's putting the grenade out there. And then yes, we need someone to rescue us. And that's the beautiful thing about Christianity is that, that God came to rescue us not us let's, like working our way to let's God break in let's break that down let's break that the grenade what is the grenade to you it was there was love in there there was there was stuff fruits of the spirit this grenade as far as I'm concerned is the trees in the garden the letting the creating of Satan the creation of hell throwing people in there uh forgiveness without blood no forgiveness without bloodshed 
that's the grenade. God has got this grenade that he created. He did all of those things. He has made things that way. That's his grenade. And he throws that to his children. And the only way he has can think of, or the best way he thought of, to, to fix this problem was to jump on the grenade that he created. Is, is there a hell? Yes, there's a hell. Is it a bad place? Yes. That's part of the grenade. God created a bad place to send people that don't love him. Because he gave us choices. He gave I us don't a choice. care. I don't care. I have a choice not to love him. So he should not be throwing me into an eternal torment of a pit of hell. Like that's not a good thing. That's a grenade. That's a bad thing. So God created a bad place for bad people to go. And the people he considers bad are those that don't love him. But Michael, I think that you, you definitely, well, maybe not, but hmm. you definitely believe in justice, that justice is important, right? Uh, I believe we should have justice, but it's, we, you know, don't always have that. Justice is blind. Justice is unfair. Just like, you know. Right. And I, I, but, I think God's is. justice is unfair as well, especially the hell thing, eternal right. torment for a finite crime. Right. But I think that's coming from, like I was saying earlier, it's a limited perspective. You're coming from one human perspective within the tiny minutia of a, of a page of your story. And you're trying to, you're trying to consider the perspective of the author of the entire story who's outside of the book and who sees the entire thing. Um, I'm just going to... from basic common sense though. It's not good to torture something for eternity because it doesn't love you. Just basic common sense here. That's what I'm but going off. Common sense also says that as, as a dad, when you, when your kids, and I'm not sure how you give your kids consequences, but hmm. when your kids are doing something you don't want them to do and they're, they're going in a different direction because you love them, not because you're some jerk who's going to throw a grenade because you love them you give them consequences, which is not going to feel good for them sometimes. That's and different so, though. This is an eternal consequence. I'm not going to ground my kid for eternity or punish his entire generation after him because he did something to piss me off. That's what right, God but, does. But I, I'm a jealous God punishing children to the third and fourth generation. But anybody, that's the thing is about living on this earth is anybody who um, who is choosing to not walk with God hmm. um, has an entire lifetime to make the decision to walk with him, to make the decision to follow him. Um, what if he doesn't when show up? Die, when, well, from from what the, according to the Bible, when you die, if you if you choose to not follow him, if you choose to not believe in him, then that's when the then eternal consequence comes. And that's hmm. the same thing that we see in our society today. Like if there are there are consequences that we have for people who break the law, that and obviously our our justice system is flawed, but yeah. there's consequences that we have for we people agree. That yeah right. There's consequence for people who break the law. They have to. They have to have. Um, there's jail time. That's like life in right. prison. Or there's let's like make the, the fun punishment fit the crime. Right. We're gonna make that punishment fit the crime. Now, if God is a jealous God punishing children for the sins of their fathers, do you think the punishment fits the crime? When God punishes children for their sins of their fathers, what do you mean by that? There's, there's five different spots in here. We got Exodus. Uh, there's a couple spots there. He says, God is a jealous God that he punishes the children for the sins of the fathers up to the third and fourth generation. And we, and we see him punishing children constantly throughout. Hosea 9 is one I refer to constantly. 
He punishes the kids. He slaughters Hosea 9.16. I will slaughter your cherished offspring. Why? Because his parents worship the wrong God. So he slayed their children, drowned them, or drowned them in the flood. That's another thing. Like he's punishing these kids who have done nothing wrong. But to him, they're all sinful and bad because Adam and Eve ate a tree that he put in the middle of the garden. Well, here's he's a, here's so the thing. stuck on that. I think what again this goes again back to our perspective as humans. Like you you see things like you would probably it sounds like in your head you have an idea of this is this is a really bad sin. This is a kind of bad sin, or this is a really bad way to mess up in life, or this is a kind of bad yeah. way to mess up in life. God takes it all so, the same. I could be a mass murderer or just not love him. He it's all the same to him. So so here's the thing. We we have a creator who's a perfect God. He's perfect, right? He's it's like a clean no. white sheet. <laughs> Anybody right that's right. drowning children is not perfect. I can't, I cannot ever get behind okay. a, so a documented just, child mean, killer being perfect. Okay. You know? So so um with that, with that perfect God with this white sheet, this clean, perfect slate that God has, according to like <laughs> the Bible, not maybe according to you, but according to the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Um, well. There's a, there, we, like next to that, in, in that perfect God, we mm. are a mess. We are a total mess. Even mm. just one bad thought makes us a mess. We're like, we, we're just a mess. And so that's why Jesus goes through these, all these, he has the whole sermon on the Mount where he says, you know, if, if your eye caused you to sin, gouge it out. And if you're, yeah. if you're like, like, and what he, he's not really saying, like, you know, you looked at a woman wrong and now you got to take your eye out. He's not saying literally to do that. People still so, do it. Yeah. Okay. But, but what he's saying is, what he's saying is like, just looking at a woman lustfully or thinking about thinking about someone in, in terms of like ending their life, just thinking about it is the same as doing it. And so thought he, crimes. So we're going to be punished for thinking things. What he's saying is we're all, we're all a mess. And so not only were we all created by him and he has authority to do whatever he wants with us because we're created by him, we're his creation. But also on top of that, um, we are a mess. We're, we're mm. sinful and mm. we're a mess. And so, so from beginning, like you talk about those kids who were killed, mm. they, they deserve, they deserve Woo. punishment ultimately. Why? Because they're, they're a mess. We're all Holy mess. cow. My kids are a mess, but they don't deserve eternal punishment or to be drowned or slaughtered. That's the difference between me and God. God sees a small flaw and everybody just needs to be wiped out and he's mad for eternity. Unless he kills his own son. And then he's like, no, oh, that's, I'm not that's where, the that's where the incredible part is that God comes in with his love and he's like, he's your like, incredible is different so than my incredible. <laughs> he says, I love you so much that I'm going to take the place of all that sin and give you a chance to, to know me and be with me by stepping in and taking that punishment, that consequence for you. Who decided we needed to be punished eternally? Who decided that? I, it's it's inside of all of us. We all see that there's who decided sin. There are who ups. decided that we should be eternally punished for finite crimes. I think God set up the whole universal law, the justice of of making mistakes and then and messing up, and that there's consequences to that. Could He have made the consequences different? Um. So you want me to step back and and you want me to think like the wages God. of sin is the wages of sin is death. Could he mm -hmm. have done it any other way? I don't think so. I think so. I think so. 
So what, yeah. so you would say like, just give me your, give me your example of how the world we it. live in now. It's an example of the wages of sin is not death. I can sin. I can do bad things and not be killed or eternally punished for it. Correct. And God's given that to you, that opportunity. So we have that now we're mm -hmm. able to sin and do our own thing and not be eternally punished for it. And everything seems to be fine. We've got jails for people. And well, justice is flawed, but we try, you know, we've, we're working towards a system. Um, we don't have to kill anybody's kid to forgive people. I don't understand. Help me understand how this all makes sense to you. I, I know inside myself when I, when I find um, things that, when I see things in this world that don't seem fair, don't seem right. Yeah. Um, people making choices. I want there to be justice. I have, a, yes. I have this strong sense of like, that is not right. You were talking with Jocelyn about the kid that walks into the, into the priest's room, you know, and he's about to do something terrible. Yeah. Um, there's a, there is a, there is a sense in me that wants there to be justice. I want there to be consequences. Hmm. Um, but I also know that I'm flawed. And so, so to set myself up as some kind of judge, which sadly, a lot of Christians do that, but to set myself up as some kind of judge is wrong because I'm flawed. And I can't, I can't say this person is right. And this person is wrong necessarily. Um, but God can, he can see, he can see the hearts of man. He can see um, the direction that our whole society is going and, and he can bring justice um, that I can't bring. And so I can let go of, I can let go of justice. Like Isaiah talks about the government is on his shoulders. God carries that. And, and he can take care of the justice that, that I'm tempted to want to take care of myself, but I can't, I can't, I can't be the perfect judge. So I need to if let, God's let that the go. perfect God. judge, sorry, thank you. If God's sure. the perfect judge and all of a sudden we've got a mass murderer that's on his way to death, he's killed all kinds of people, but all of a sudden he believes in Jesus and he has all kinds of love in his heart. Is he eternally punished or does he get to go to heaven? He gets to go to heaven. Where is the justice in that? And that's why you're not God. Well, I, I don't honestly, slaughter children. So let's start there. I am better than God because I don't kill children out of jealousy right off the bat. I don't punish you people like eternally. You the kill children thing a lot. That's pretty bad, man. Yeah. I can't think of anything worse than worshiping a documented child killer. Like he did it on purpose. I don't understand why everybody just wants to brush it away. No, no I don't that's want to brush egregious it away. I and think, horrible. I think that goes back to that goes back to God's justice system of an entire society. Killing that, kids so, is not justice. Well, that's see, that's the thing is we you we can't be you can't be and I can't be um, a perfect judge. We don't we we don't see those people. We don't see their hearts. So I think that's a big that's a big part of this mm, is that Aaron. that your perspective is different. But wait, what you just asked me a question though? Yeah, no, I don't remember what, what it was. was your question you asked me earlier. <laughs> oh man, I don't remember. But does God okay. work? Is God working today to to balance things out with evil and bad people, like He did with the flood, uh, like He did, you know, Hosea nine? Is He actually interacting and slaughtering children because they're going to be bad in the future? Now, is He still doing that? I don't think so, but I don't, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm don't see the entire world and see what God's doing with people's hearts and, and with consequences in people's lives. And I want to get back to what you're saying about the, the prison. I remember now the guy that was the mass murderer. Yes. Yes. It, and then he's in prison and, and forgiveness. Yeah. So I think that that goes back again to why we are not judge. We're not the judges because God, 
scripture says that man looks at the outward appearance and God looks at the heart. And so, yeah. so God can see in a radical way, he can see people's hearts when they turn towards him, when they turn towards him and they, and they desperately want to be in relationship with him, because ultimately what God wants is for the same thing I was telling you about with my son walking in the room with me and talking with me about his struggle. God wants that relationship. He wants to have us be with him and connect with him and know him and seek him. Well, and so you should probably show someone, up. that's ultimately what he wants. And so if, if somebody says, Hey, you know what, that whole thing with Jesus dying on the cross, I will take that because I believe that you, you died for me in my place. And I will wow. take that, that, that chance to get out of my out of my situation, my consequence, by you dying for me on the cross, and I will find life and freedom there. If God sees that in a, in a person's heart, then yeah, He's going to forgive them no matter what they've done, no matter what they've been through. That's not justice. So you you had mentioned that um, we are not allowed to judge. The Bible says not to judge. I, I would agree with you. There's there's one, two, three, four, five, five places I, I see right off the bat says do not judge. But there are places in there that say to judge, that we are supposed to be, well, not we, as in me, Christians are supposed to be judging. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.15, the spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. What a weird verse. Uh, side note, 1 Corinthians 2.11, no one knows the thoughts of Yahweh except, yeah, good stuff. Uh, and then there's one here, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 6. Uh, that tells us we're going to be judging angels or Christians. Sorry, I keep throwing myself in there. <laughs> but God says, if any of you has a dispute with another, uh, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If you are, uh, And if you are to judge the world, are you not content to judge trivial cases? Anyway, so you're supposed to judge. So there's, there's it, again, contradictions. God says, do this. God says, don't do this. But well, it all boils say, down to that forgiveness part of it. Yeah. I would say um, most people would probably agree that when it talks about judgment in the Bible, the mm. judgment we don't do is there's, and, and you can, judgment is defined in a different ways, a couple of different ways, but the judgment we don't do is setting ourselves up as judge of other people in their hearts because we can't see their hearts. And so huh. the judgment we do do is making decisions day to day about where we should go, direction we should go in, um, how we should handle a certain situation. We have to show judgment um, and use good judgment. So I, I think that I think that there's there's a difference between um, discernment huh. and making making good decisions and um, and also also being in heaven and God giving us positions in heaven that that um, that that He decides. Um, wow. Versus in this versus in this world, we can't set ourselves up as judges in this world. So, anyways, anyways go ahead. What were you going to say? You said, "Wow." Yeah, no, I was like, I just went to the scenario of of God giving people positions in heaven, and we've got this mass murderer who killed your entire family in a high position in heaven. When you get there, and you're like, "What the crap? Why? Why? Why am I not have a high position? Why does this mass murderer get privileges in heaven? Was he not punished? No, he was never punished because he loves Jesus." Like I just I see so many scenarios that are wrong with this situation, but you don't you don't you don't know that the mass murderer has that position, and you don't know what his heart was, and you don't know it's possible why. He According to your worldview, it is possible this could happen. But right? you're making up scenarios that as if you're God when you're not, and then you're making your decision about how you're approaching what we're talking about based on the scenarios you come up with as if you're God. Which Any is, of those which scenarios is, are bad. 
Aaron, any of those Michael, scenarios let me are say bad. this. Let me say this, Michael. I'm very glad you're not God. <laughs> I'm very glad you're not God. <laughs> me too. Me too. That's for sure. I'd probably be a terrible God, but that's beside the point. <laughs> we all would be. We all would be terrible gods. See, hey, actually, Michael, hmm. that gets to the crux of, I think, what a lot of people hate about um, hmm. how Christians do Christianity is they they hate the fact that Christians are constantly pointing fingers saying, saying this is a label for you. This is a label for you. You're wrong. You're hmm. wrong. You're wrong. And they set themselves up as, as judges, as if they are God. But the truth is, and scripture is true with this, is that mm. we are not God and we are not the ones to, to judge people. And that's, that's the, that's a beautiful thing about this, grace. And that's, what's so attractive about Jesus is that so many, we can't, we can't do enough. We can't do enough. Um, we can't be perfect enough to earn our way to heaven. And so, so what, what happens is God runs towards us to rescue us and shows us incredible grace. And God runs what, towards us, awesome. Aaron. Yes. yes. <laughs> Have you seen God run? I would say, How yes. How does he run? Have, Is it you know the story of the prodigal father? Yes. You know the story of the prodigal father? Heard it, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the son, he gets, he ruins his life, right? He takes his dad's inheritance. He ruins his life. And he like yeah. goes But where's God and, running towards us though, Aaron? Well, let me explain. Let me explain this really quick. What? So he ruins his life. <laughs> and then after he ruins his life, he he has no more money. He's desperate, and he realizes the only way that I can I can survive is by going back to my dad humbly, and asking him if I can be with him again and work with him. After he had taken all of his inheritance, basically like shamed his dad, took all of his inheritance, and left his dad, yeah. um, in disgrace. And then he says he says, and that's what we've done by the way to God. We walk away from him. We shame him. We we like we blow it with our lives. We mess up. And so, anyways, he walks away from he walks away from his dad, and then. Um, he decides I'm going to come back um, because it's my only chance. I'm going to come back. Yeah. And when yeah. when the father sees his son coming, mm-hmm. when the father sees his son coming down that road, he runs to him. He sprints. In that story, that father runs. Yes, I have and yet to see Jesus, God run, and Jesus Nick, tells nobody that story. has ever seen it. <laughs> Jesus tells that story to help us visualize God running towards us because God does want to run towards us. He loves us like crazy. Michael, he loves Jesus you. tells that story to help us visualize God running. I love it, Aaron. I love it. That's such a unique take on that story. <laughs> Wait, don't you think that's true though? Why would he tell the story? I don't, well, there's a lot there. I don't think he told the story. Um, I don't think that's the reason for the story. There's a lot of things to it. You got to break it down. You don't think who Jesus he was talking to, why he was story. talking to those people. Um, there's a lot to it, Aaron. I, I just don't see it as that. I do want to see God run though. I'm very interested to see how he runs. If it's Wait, awkward do you, you or don't if it's think, fast. Michael, you don't think that Jesus told the story of the prodigal son? It's debatable. Jesus might not have been a real person at all. He might not have said anything. Like, we don't know. There's no way of knowing. We weren't there. We, he never wrote anything down. There's no pictures. I mean, all of this is just hearsay at this point. There's more evidence mm. from historical writers, not mm. just the ones in the Bible, uh-huh. that Jesus existed than there is that yeah. Existed. Have there's a lot that? of there's a lot of um, there's a lot of books on it, and there's a lot of different theories on it. Uh, and I haven't. You have a shaky stance to say that Jesus never existed. Now, mythicist. Maybe, Those are called maybe, mythicists. Maybe you could maybe you could argue about the resurrection because we can't. Hundred percent, you can argue that. Yes. <laughs> you could. Okay, so I could say that, but but to say for you to say that Jesus never existed, mm, that's a shaky Moses never stance. existed either, Aaron. 
Mm, okay. Man, and Abraham is a fictional character as well. Oh God! Oh, here we go. <laughs> God isn't a real person either. Sorry, Aaron. I think that obviously everybody can agree <laughs> on historical documents and historical yeah. interpretations outside of the Bible. Mm. Um, so, anyways, but you have to trust those that. people. You have to trust those people. Like things have been changed throughout time. Nothing is for sure. So there's a lot of different things in there. And and again, I'm 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 iffy about it. I'm not 100. percent I don't think we can know for sure. So I'm kind of an agnostic on that. There you go. Awesome. This has been great. Aaron, we, we're over time, but this has been a lot of fun. Go. Ahead. I want to do this again. We're definitely going to do this again. Make sure you, you schedule again. Um, go ahead and close out with uh, your book, your, your stuff. Let us know where we can find you. First of all, Michael, I just want to say it is such a great privilege to be on your show Thanks. and to be able to be able to process with you in a civil way and have <laughs> an important, I think, important conversation um, about where we're coming from and our perspectives and do it, um, do it in a way that actually leads to something productive. Mm. Um, I, I think that's, it's good. So I appreciate you inviting me on the show and, and letting me be a part of this. But if anybody wants to find me, they can go to aarononfeldt.com, E-R-I-N-A-H-N-F-E-L-D-T.com, aarononfeldt.com. And when they get there, they'll see a little um, a little scroll down of the screen that says, um, your story has a plan, a purpose, and an author. Let's look for him together. And if Seeing they want God to- Seeing God in your story. What'd you say? Seeing God in your story. I saw that on there. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So they can they can click on that, join me. And, um, and what they'll do is, what will happen is they'll get the stories I write about being a Christian in a public school. They'll get mm. those every two weeks. And, um, and just, and really these are stories that are, that are honest about kids and their bravery mm. going up in front of their peers and, and the tragedies that happen in the public school and, mm. and my struggle as a Christian in the public school. And so these are just honest stories that they'll get once every two weeks if they subscribe. And then also I send this, um, little write-up that's called six ways to see God in your story. And they're practical ways of seeing God in your story, ways to look for him back to Jeremiah 29, 20, 29, 11, Jeremiah 29, 11, that says, <laughs> if they seek me, they'll find me. If they seek me with all their heart. And yeah. so these are practical ways people can seek him and look for God in their story. Thanks, Aaron. Didn't work much for me. I sought him with all my heart and he didn't come back, but that's okay. I thank you for your time today, patience, answers, everything, man. You've been awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. Talk to you later, man. Okay. Out. Yay. Nice. Yay. That was fun. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, I didn't I didn't say this on the show, but I had the best, one of my best friends hmm. was a guy I worked with as an English teacher in uh, uh, like about three years ago. And he was an atheist. He's an atheist. And, and, uh, and we had, and he's also a Democrat. I'm a Republican and we had, we had like, we were opposite in so many ways, but we had so many great conversations because he was like you, Michael, where he was curious and like, mm. he would ask questions and he wouldn't like tear down people or mm. try to like rip people apart. Like he was, he was, there was a curiosity there. And, um, and so we both like, we, well, I tried to be, I tried to like, I followed his example. He showed me how to not judge people <laughs> and how to be curious. Like, I really appreciated that about him. And so yeah. we have this great friendship that, that um I love. And so I appreciate the conversation with you, Michael. Absolutely, man. I definitely want to do it again, though. I, I think we've got something here. We can keep going for at least a couple more episodes. My, my longest one is four. So see if you can break that. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. That'd be great. All right, Aaron, I'll let you know. Uh, I'll let you know when this comes out. We'll keep in touch. It was, what's the turnaround? Is it usually like a week or a couple weeks or uh, right now I've got 
I got three conversations in the bank, so to speak. Okay. So I'm not sure which row away I'm going to have them come out. So probably in at least two weeks, at least two weeks. Okay, great. Thanks cool. so much, Michael. Yeah, absolutely, man. Talk to you. Okay. Bye. And that's all the show there is for you today. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard and want to help keep the recording light on, simply go to patreon.com forward slash BSW the podcast and sign up to be a supporter of the show. Your episodic tithes of a dollar or more will give you access to the patron feed, unaired conversations, early access to each episode, and much more. For the latest events, BSW swag, and a peek behind the scenes, head on over to the show's ever-evolving webpage at thebiblesayswhat.com. The Bible Says What the book is out. Head on over to thebiblesayswhat.com and get yourself and your grandma a signed copy. Thanks to the cosmic powers of the internet, it is now possible to buy me a beer or coffee online. Simply go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash BSW the podcast and click the appropriate buttons. If you can't support the show monetarily, please like, share, and or leave a review. As always, you can find me at the Bible Says What Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Instagram pages. You can also reach me at bswthepodcast at gmail.com. And no matter which platform you use to listen to your podcasts, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss out on the next episode. Until then, would you kindly pick up your Bibles and read them? Next time when the Bible says what? But but you can never you can never understand it until you read it, knowing that you need it. I interesting. I don't need it. God can forgive me without killing Himself. Um, would you choose to slaughter the innocent to forgive the guilty? Is this something you would do? To slaughter the innocent to kill the, to forgive, to forgive the, guilty. the guilty. Yeah. Would you choose to slaughter the innocent to forgive the guilty? You mean you mean like how the United States dropped bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, killed two hundred fifty thousand people when the land invasion was going to cost two and a half million civilian deaths? That that kind of that no, kind of slaughter of the innocent. One hundred percent. We are not all powerful beings, and if that was God, He could find a different way to do it. So, would you personally I, slaughter the innocent to forgive you, you the mean, guilty? If, if we were if we were inventing gods, He could find a different way to do that. I, if we were, if we're inventing gods that did not want to tell the most beautiful story possible. Did God again, forgive again, sin without, without death? Has God forgiven sin without death? Without, without someone's death or something's death? Is that, is that without the something dying? Can God forgive without something dying?